the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. God prophesied through Jeremiah that Babylon would fall. In the book of Isaiah, between chapters 45 and 47, 150 years before it fell, Isaiah would not only say how it would fall, but he even named the Persian king Cyrus by name in the book of Isaiah. 150 years before Cyrus was born. That's how God is prophetic in all things, because he knows all things. The Bible consists of books that were written on three different continents, written over thousands of years, and was written by rich kings to poor shepherds. Even with these facts, the Bible tells a perfect story with a single theme and reads as though there was one author. Today, Pastor Gary will be explaining how God's authorship is evident over the Bible and how important prophecy and its fulfillment is. When you study prophecy and how it's always been fulfilled to the very detail, you can't help but be in awe. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 17 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. We're going to only look at chapter 17, but I need to link chapter 17 and 18 together because it deals with a very important topic, and that has to do with Babylon. And so what we're going to be looking at is chapter 17, which is a picture of spiritual Babylon. It's, it's when the world will move towards a one-world religion. So chapter 17 is really about spiritual Babylon, world, a world religious system. Chapter 18 is about commercial Babylon. It's a political economic uh, system that also is headquartered in Babylon. And so we're going to read a little bit from chapter 7. We're, we're going to go through all of chapter 17, but just before we pray, I'm going to read a little bit from chapter 17. And I'm also going to read a little bit from chapter 18, even though we won't get to chapter 18 tonight, just again to see these two chapters Uh, as really a a, a total topic. So from chapter 17, let me read the first six verses. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, this is John writing, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, 
having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now jump over to chapter 18. I just want to read the first three verses so we can kind of see how these chapters are tied together. Verse 1 says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury." Chapters 17 and 18 really need to be understood together because they both deal with two distinct systems that are headquartered in the same location. Now, there's a lot of discussion and debate about whether or not Babylon, mentioned in chapter 17 and 18, is literal in terms of a city or whether it is figurative in terms of, you know, it just paints a picture of something. And um, I will tell you that I believe it is literal. It is referring to the literal ancient city of Babylon. I'm going to explain to you why I believe that the Bible teaches it will be revived, rebuilt, and again destroyed. Uh, But Babylon is no stranger to Scripture, except for Jerusalem. Babylon is mentioned more times in the Bible than any other city. Did you know that? More than... Uh, 300 references throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation refer to the ancient city of Babylon. In the book of Revelation alone, in the whole book of Revelation, when you count them all up, there are 404 verses. And of those 404 verses, 42 verses refer to Babylon. Now, not necessarily by the name Babylon, but like chapter 17 and 18. These are all about Babylon. So all these verses go together to comprise 42 out of 404 verses are about Babylon in the book of Revelation. So basically one out of every 10 verses in the book of Revelation is about Babylon. God has a lot to say about Babylon. Now, Babylon is located about 55 miles south of Baghdad along the Euphrates River in Iraq. And in its glory days under King Nebuchadnezzar, that same king mentioned in the book of Daniel, in its glory days, Babylon was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world with the hanging gardens of Babylon. It was a beautiful city that Nebuchadnezzar himself had built to its, uh, to, uh, during the time of its height in terms of its power, strength, and um, the Babylonian Empire. And so the Hanging Gardens of Babylon mark one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world. The city of Babylon was considered impenetrable. Uh, it was built with walls that the Greek historian Herodotus, the walls were still there. The Herodotus could write and record 35 stories high 
were the walls around Babylon. 87 feet thick were the walls. And so they believed, the Babylonians believed, that Babylon, the capital city of the Babylonian Empire, was impenetrable. But the Bible predicted that it would fall. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 51, 60 years before it fell, God prophesied through Jeremiah that Babylon would fall. In the book of Isaiah, between chapters 45 and 47, 150 years before it fell, Isaiah would not only say how it would fall, but he even named the Persian king Cyrus by name in the book of Isaiah, 150 years before Cyrus was born. That's how God is prophetic in all things, because he knows all things. So 150 years before Cyrus, the king of Persia, was born, Isaiah prophesied by his name that he would be the king to take the ancient city of Babylon. And so it was. And Babylon was conquered in a unique strategic military uh, maneuver. The Euphrates River, which is where Babylon was built, the Euphrates River was intentionally diverted around the city of Babylon to form a wet moat as an extra layer of defense. So not only do you have walls that are 35 stories high at 87 feet thick, but you have a wet moat going all the way around the city of Babylon. And because the Euphrates served to be a source of fresh water for Babylon, it was also diverted under the city walls and would meander throughout the city and provide not only a beautiful landscape, but also a, a fresh water supply for the people living there. So what King Cyrus did was, he just simply dammed up the Euphrates. And when he dammed up the Euphrates a few miles north of the city, then when the Euphrates dried up, he took the Persians and he went under the city wall on the dry riverbed of the Euphrates and took Babylon without even firing a shot. Not that they had guns back in the day, but you get my point. And so Babylon fell on October the 12th, 539 B.C. October the 12th, 539 B.C. But as the Bible predicted its fall, the Bible also predicts that it will be rebuilt. Now, those of you who are old enough to remember, Saddam Hussein tried to do it. In fact, Saddam Hussein, the leader of Iraq, also had a coin-minted during the time that he was leader in Iraq, with Nebuchadnezzar's image on one side of the coin and his image on the other side of the coin. Because he understood historically that Nebuchadnezzar had taken Babylon there in Iraq to its pinnacle of success. And Saddam had a vision of trying to take it back to the days of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Saddam Hussein built his palace on the old foundation of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. He spent $500 million dollars building his palace there that he didn't get to occupy. He was in the process of restoring Babylon to its former glory when he tried to annex Kuwait. Many of you remember when this happened back in 1990. And uh, when he did that, uh, sanctions were imposed upon him, a war ensued, and ultimately he was deposed, captured, tried, and hanged. And so he tried to do it, but it still has not been rebuilt. But the Bible tells us that it will be rebuilt. And not only will it be rebuilt, but the book of Revelation also says that it will be destroyed by the Lord when he returns. So Babylon will again be a literal location. Right now, it's just ancient ruins. 
but it will be a literal location that represents two systems, the two systems on the screens, that there will be a spiritual Babylon where it will be the headquarters of a one world religion that emerges from this ancient city. And it will also serve to be the headquarters for a commercial Babylon being a world economic system, a one world government, a one world economy. So when we get here to chapter 17, I need to frame the background and we need to understand more background too to appreciate this chapter. Chapter 17 probably occurs during the first half of the tribulation period. So when we talk about the tribulation period, we're talking about seven years of just terror that has rained out upon the earth. In the first three and a half years is likely when chapter 17 takes place. And if you'll notice with me in the verses that we, that we just read, there is this reference to a woman. Uh, she's not a literal woman, she's a picture. And she is referred to as a harlot in the New King James from what I'm reading, but uh, that word harlot is translated prostitute in the NIV and the ESV. And she's called a harlot or a prostitute three times in this chapter, in verse 1, in verse 15, and in verse 16. And her title is right there uh, indented in your Bibles in verse 5. Uh, she is Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So who or what does she really represent? So in summary, for you note takers, this is who the woman really represents. The woman of Revelation 17 represents a false world religion that rises on the back of the Antichrist and seduces the nations. Now, in order to understand how that comes to be, we need to understand the historical um, context of Babylon. So I want you for a moment to just uh, put something handy there in Revelation 17. We'll come back to it. But flip to the very beginning of your Bibles in Genesis chapter 10. In Genesis chapter 10, we get the background of Babylon, and it's important to understand this in order to understand, you know, what's going to happen in the future. So history sometimes can help us understand the future. And in this case, in Genesis chapter 10, we are introduced to somebody along the list of the uh, uh, nations that descended from Noah, we come to his great-grandson, whose name is Nimrod, and he is mentioned here in Genesis chapter 10, and I'm going to read just verses 8 through 10. In Genesis 10, verse 8, it says, Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. There it is said, therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Now notice that. Babel is the ancient word for Babylon. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalneh, in the land of Shinar. Shinar is uh, the the ancient term for uh, uh, Mesopotamia or Babylonia. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh. Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala, that is the principal city. So what we're introduced to here is the beginning days of the ancient city of Babylon, which was previously known just simply as Babel. And the one who built Babel was Nimrod. Now Nimrod, again, is the great-grandson of Noah. And the Bible here seems to present him to be a really, you know, nice guy, you know, man's man, hunter before the Lord, mighty one on the earth. 
But don't be misled. The terminology is not referring to a great guy. The terminology is referring to somebody who, well, even in his name, his name Nimrod is really from, it's a Semitic word from the Akkadian language. Its roots are in Hebrew, but his name means rebellious one. Nimrod translates to rebel or rebellion or the rebellious one. And that was his attitude. This guy was not a mighty hunter because he was to be appreciated and esteemed. This guy was a mighty hunter because he was a rebel. And he was in particular a rebel against God. Because when it says there in the passage in verse 9 that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, the word before in Hebrew is panim. Panim means face. And so it literally translates, he was in the face of God. He got in God's face. He was in opposition to God, so not a good guy. Nimrod, not a good guy, and one of the cities that he built among several, as he started to kind of take over the earth and lead these, you know, um, building projects in different places, they're primarily in what is today modern Iraq, uh, is Babel. He built that as one of the capital cities. Now, Babel is probably better known to us in chapter 11 of Genesis. If you'll jump over to chapter 11... The Tower of Babel. There's an incident that happens in the Tower of Babel. And so in in Genesis chapter 11, let me read the first nine verses. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Note that. Let us make a name for ourselves. Notice this. They don't want to make a name for God. They want to make a name for themselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. By the way, the pronoun us, it's a a reference to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God revealed in three persons. He says, come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused, that's what it means, confusion, confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So, your attention, the the, the people at this particular time had one language, it had not yet been diverse, they had not been yet scattered. And in their unity, they used their unity in opposition to God. They decided, let's collectively get together. We're going to decide what's best. We're going to decide what we want to worship, who we want to worship, and nobody can tell us otherwise. And they built this tower, which was actually a ziggurat. Now, a ziggurat was basically this pyramid-shaped structure that had a staircase, usually, that wound to the top, and it would have a deck at the top. It would have an overlook at the top. Again, the Greek historian Herodotus recorded seeing one that measured 700 feet high. The Washington Monument is only 555 feet high. So imagine something immense reaching to the heavens. Why did they want to reach to the heavens? Because they wanted to worship the starry hosts. They wanted to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, not God. They wanted to make a name for themselves, and they started worshiping astrology. You can trace all occult worship and astrological worship to Babel or Babylon. 
This is where it started. The occult started in Babel, in Babylon. And so God then decides, I'm going to confuse the language. I'm going to scatter them, lest they get together here. And they decide that they're going to have a unified rebellion against me. And so the language then began to, to be diversified there in Babel, Babylon. And, and then the people were scattered and they began to live together, group together based on the languages that they could understand. But the beginning of astrology and occult practices happened here. The worship of the constellation, the zodiac all started here. It's the old oldest record of astrology that comes from this region. And the Bible is basically a story in some ways. I mean, obviously, the central story of the Bible is Jesus and the gospel and dying for our sins on the cross. But in in some ways, when you think about the two cities that I I mentioned are, are named more than any other cities in the Bible, it's Jerusalem first and then Babylon. This is a book about the tale of two cities, where you have Jerusalem as the city of peace and you have Babylon as the city of confusion. And, and that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. And thus, now, when you go back to the book of Revelation, you can understand a little bit about the historical background of Babel because the same kind of thing is going to take root again in Babylon that happened uh, here um, in ancient times. Now, in addition to, because this plays into chapter 17 of Revelation, in addition to the people of Babel or Babylon worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars, the zodiac, and all of this, there was an, an ancient legend that also emerged in Babel. And the ancient legend went something like this, that Nimrod, the guy who built Babel, settled Babel, married a woman whose name was Sumeramis. And Sumeramis uh, in the Bible is uh, noted as the uh, queen of heaven, um, in the book of uh, Jeremiah, ten times in the book of Jeremiah, he mentions the queen of heaven. It is a reference to Sumeramis, the wife of Nimrod. And they had a son, and they had a son named Tammuz. Tammuz is mentioned once in the Bible in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14. Now, the legend part is that Tammuz was conceived in a miraculous way. He wasn't. And another legend was that Tammuz was gored by a, um, a boar and, and rose from the dead. Those things became um, these mythological legends. But Nimrod uh, marries Sumeramis. They have a son named Tammuz. And that legend took root. And in Babel, they started worshiping the mother-son combination of Sumeramis and Tammuz. And that legend carried on through various civilizations. The Assyrians had their version. They worshipped Ishtar and Tammuz. The Canaanites worshipped Ashtoreth and Baal. The Egyptians worshipped Isis and Horus. The Greeks worshipped Aphrodites and Eros. The Romans worshipped Venus and Cupid. These are all mother-son combinations that started in Babel, in Babylon. And you know what's interesting? Tammuz, the name of this uh, son born to Nimrod and Sumeramis, Iraq named, back in the early 80s, Iraq named its nuclear reactor Tammuz. And in 1981, there was a secret military operation that was launched by the Israelis under the command of then Prime Minister Menachem Begin, who uh, dispatched F-15s and F-16s over to Iraq. They flew at low altitudes across Jordanian airspace and across Syrian airspace and into Iraq. 
and they took out Iraq's nuclear reactor. They killed Tammuz. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.